0: When I call, O God of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. Uh, We are grateful this morning as well for all of the mothers who are present in our audience. We want to wish each of you a very happy Mother's Day. Uh, I am persuaded that it takes a mother to appreciate uh, what it is to be a mother, Uh, but I am certainly uh, thankful for my mother. Uh, Like Brother Pratt, I can say my mother dragged me to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, midweek Bible study, uh, and thank the Lord I am the better for it. So I'm thankful for her. Uh, also thankful uh, for my wife, who is uh, the mother of my children. Uh, so I can appreciate motherhood from a couple of different perspectives, and you are certainly entitled to all that you will receive today and then some. Uh, and if we don't treat you right any other day of the year, and Lord knows we ought to do better if we don't, uh, but certainly we ought to treat you right today, And certainly you are uh, worthy of being recognized uh, for the space that you fill, for the role that you play, and for being such an integral part, uh, not just in the lives of your particular family, but to the world in general. Uh, Last month, uh, when we were filling out the worship blog, it did not register with me that Mother's Day was this month, so I don't have a Mother's Day sermon per se. Uh, But I found a way to make a vicarious link between uh, the sermon that we do have and Mother's Day itself. Uh, I believe that mothers are indicative of the providence of God. Uh, When you go back and read the Genesis account, uh, the Bible says that God saw uh, Adam, and he said it is not good that the man should be alone. And God's solution to that was Eve. And the Bible says her name is called Eve because she is the mother of all living. And so I believe we can say from a biblical basis uh, that mothers are God's idea, uh, that mothers are a blessing to the world. And so certainly we thank you uh, again for all that you are and for all that you do. Now, having said that, we want to direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, to the text that was read into our hearing. I want to commend uh, young brother Caleb Dockendorf. Uh, He came to me last week and said, I'm going to be reading the scripture next Sunday. I need to know what it is. Uh, I just appreciate that. uh, And I'm glad uh, that I had a sermon already ready, that he didn't catch me unprepared, and that I'd have to fumble around and say, I'll have to get back to you. Certainly we appreciate the diligence of our young people. Uh, Sometimes we say they are the church of tomorrow, and I suppose there's a context in which that is true. Uh, But they are also part of the church today, and we certainly appreciate their contribution, uh, certainly appreciate what they add uh, to the body. And so there in Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read again verse number 19, Uh, Verse 19, the Hebrew writer declares uh, concerning Abraham, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Uh, Based on the words of the Hebrew writer here in Hebrews chapter 11, we want to use this morning as a subject the providence of God. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the Hebrew writer recounts to us uh, some of the events concerning uh, one of the greatest men of faith in the Bible. Uh, Our text deals with the patriarch Abraham, and, and I submit to you that Abraham believed in the providence of God. I'm going to use that word a lot this morning. When I looked the word providence up in the dictionary, uh, the dictionary had this to offer. It said number one, the foreseeing care and guidance of God, and then you'll notice I put or nature in italics uh, because I know better. Uh, it's the foreseeing care and guidance of God solely. Uh, Whatever people may attribute as happening through nature that is good, well, God is the creator uh, of the heavens and the earth. Uh, So the foreseeing care and the guidance of God over the creatures of the earth. uh, Second definition, God especially when conceived as exercising such care and guidance in directing human affairs. And then the third definition, a manifestation of divine care or direction. If we wanted to put that in the simplest terms possible, providence is simply God's ability to take care of us. And when we look at Abraham, uh, it's true that Abraham had his moments when his faith faltered, but his inclusion in this list of the Old Testament heroes is a testament to the fact that Abraham believed in the providence of God. And if you've ever read the Genesis account, then you know that Abraham's faith in God was vindicated. And I submit to you that there's a very strong parallel between Abraham's experience with God and our experience. If you look at verse number 8, we are able to discern from verse number 8 that Abraham didn't fully understand what God's plan for him was. Have you ever wondered just what it is God is trying to show you or what it is that God calls you to? In verse number 9, we are told that Abraham had to live among a people that did not believe what he believed. And then in verse 17, we are told that Abraham, as do we all, knew what it was like to have his faith put to the test. He faced some troubles and some challenges in his living. He had some mountains to climb. And and, and I can believe that we can identify with Abraham in this regard, because all of us have times in our lives when things happen that we don't really understand just what it is God is doing or, or why certain things happen. And when our faith is put to the test, uh, may we ever remember that it's not our place as children of God to demand that God explain himself. Uh, remember uh, that the, uh, the, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and so when there are things that we don't understand, and I'm not saying that we can't ask God to help us understand, but there, there's a difference between asking uh, for clarity and demanding an explanation. Uh, we can ask God for clarity, but it is never our place to demand of God an explanation. What we ought to do is like Abraham, trust in the providence of God because we are God's children. But I submit to you further that, that when we face challenges or troubles or mountains, it is not so much what happens to us, it is not so much uh, the circumstances that we face, As it is our attitude towards those things, that is a major determining factor in our outcomes. I I, I submit to you that we usually find what we're looking for, negative or positive. And in any given day, you can find some negative things if that's what you're looking for. But in any given day, you can find some positive things if that's what you're looking for. I, I remember hearing a story told about an alcoholic father with two sons. The one son grew up to be just like his father, and the other son grew up to be a teetotaler. Both of those boys ascribe the major influential factor as the example of their father. The one boy says, I drink because my daddy was a drinker. And the other boy says, I won't touch a drop because my daddy was a drinker. You find what you are looking for. And when we are out of touch with God, we look for and expect the negative. But Abraham was in touch with God. So in one of the severest tests a man could face, Abraham trusted the providence of God. He chose to look for the good rather than whine about the negative. And what we have to remember as we look at Abraham this morning, that God was working on numerous levels. Uh, The event that we read about in verses 17 through 19 wasn't just God dealing with Abraham. God was dealing with you and me thousands of years later through Abraham. Abraham is going to be an example to us. and, And I believe we need to remember as we go through life that what I'm going through is never just about me and what I'm going through. God may be using me in ways that I have no idea what God is doing. Maybe he's using me to be an example to someone else. Maybe God is saying if I learned a lesson that I saw in someone else. But always appreciate that that is not just about me. I need to remember that I'm not God's only child and that God takes care of more than just me. And I can't always be the line leader. You know what a line leader is? Sister Cook teaches kindergarten she got 24 kids in her class, and every time they line up to go somewhere, everybody wants to be the line leader. Everybody wants to be first. Now, all 24 of you can't be the line leader all the time. You know, it's one of those things where you can take turns, but you can't always be the line leader. Well, When we go through life, what we need to remember is God has children other than me. Everything is not just about me. When I go through things, God may be working on a larger scale than just me. So when we look at Abraham, uh, let us remember that God was working on more than just Abraham about this one thing at this particular time. So when we look at verse number 17, our text indicates to us that Abraham not only believed God on an intellectual level, but the Bible says, by faith, he did what he needed to do to be in a position to receive a blessing. You know, there are times that we miss blessings because we're not in position. And, and there's more to being blessed by God than just asking. You, you ever had anybody ask you uh, to ask the church to pray for them? You know, And we will, and I'm glad you're asking for prayer. But I hope people appreciate God is not a genie in a bottle that you just rub it and ask what you want and you get what you ask for. Uh, You know, with with God, uh, uh, God wants a relationship. He's not in the just giving us what we want business. God said, what I really want with you is a relationship, and, and many of my blessings are tied to having a relationship with me. So there's more to being blessed by God than just asking. And if I want God to bless me, then I need to get myself in position to be blessed by doing what God told me to do. So now when we look at the account of Abraham here, I I believe to better appreciate what's said in verses 17 through uh, 19, that that we need to go back to the beginning of Abraham's story, and you find that in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now start at Genesis 12 and start reading forward. But in Genesis 12, we're told that, it, that God tells Abraham, I-, I want you to leave what you know. I-, I want you to leave where you're comfortable and go where I tell you to go. And one of the things that we learn right out of the gate is that God doesn't always ask us to do what we want to do or what is familiar to us. Sometimes God calls us to step out of ourselves. But, but he tells Abraham in this, I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to bless all of humanity through your descendant. Now, that's not the most probable thing I'm sure that Abraham had ever heard uh, uh, in his living. Abraham is 75 years old at the time God uh, uh, speaks to him. And mind you, I know at that time they lived a little bit longer than we do now. But even for them, 75 wasn't what you would have considered prime childbearing years, especially if you had never had any children prior to that point. Now, if you're following along with me in your Bibles, the rate of evidence was against Abraham and Sarah having a child at all. Look with me, if you will, at Romans chapter 4 and verse number 19. Uh, Romans 4, verse 19, the Bible says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So God appears to Abraham at 75, tells him, I'm going to bless you with a son. Almost 25 years later, they still don't have the child. But then notice the commentary of the Holy Spirit. As time has moved on, Abraham has gone from a 75-year-old to now a 100-year-old. And the Bible says that his body was now dead. And brothers, I go to my grave saying, you can say a lot about me as a man, but one of the most insulting or debilitating things you could say to me uh, about me is that my body is dead. And you know, maybe it's just a male thing. You'd like to think there's some life in the line somewhere. Now, maybe I'm not 25 or 35 anymore. But just to tell me my body is now dead. And if that wasn't enough, the commentary goes further to say, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So when you talk about folk having children, Abraham and Sarah were not likely candidates for a couple you would pick. But God tells them, I'm going to give you a child. And don't miss, you go through some ups and downs in your relationship with God. Abraham at one point laughed when God told him that. I know we tend to remember that Sarah laughed, but if you read all of the Bible account, both of them laughed. And you just, really? Here I am almost 100 years old. My body's now dead. Even if I don't like folk to say it, you know, inside you. I know I can't run like I could when I was in high school or college. Now, now, if you talk to me, I'd still like to think that I could run, uh, you know, 110 meters about like I could then. I know I can't do it, but if you talk to me, I might give off the implication that I can. But I know I'm not 20 or 21 anymore. Uh, Abraham no longer having children. Sarah never gave birth to a child. God says, I'm going to bless you with a son. Now, 25 years later, can you imagine? Us with our impatience. You know, when we want God to do something, we want it done yesterday. And here you promised me 25 years ago a son, and here we are and still no child. And then God blesses him, uh, blesses them I should say, with Isaac in Genesis chapter 21. But then in Genesis chapter 22, God says, now give me the son that you ra- waited, not just 25 years for me to fulfill the promise, but, but all your life. You, you, you Man, don't you want a son? You, you want a boy to carry on the family name. That's why we named the boy after us. It's it, it just something about having a son. I mean, you love your daughters too, but, but, but your son, you can name him Junior. You know, you, you go to the baseball field, that's my boy. You, you know, kind of living vicariously through your son. Well, well, the son you've waited all this time for, Abraham, I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. And imagine the heartache and the heartbreak that Abraham could have put himself through. You know, waited all this time for the boy, and you finally give him to me, and now you want him back. Despite how this looks and how it sounds, God has something better in mind for Abraham. So when we face challenges and troubles, rather than moping wine, let us look for the providence of God. You know, know God can just use trouble to his advantage. And when God demanded uh, of Abraham his son, uh, the text says that Abraham was being put to the test in verse number 17. And when Abraham was put to the test, I submit to you that he did three things. Number one, again there, Hebrews 11, uh, verse number 17. uh, The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test. The key words, by faith. I submit to you, number one, that Abraham believed in the providence of God. This means that Abraham heard what God had commanded, and then proceeded to obey what God had commanded him to do. He believed in the providence of God, and I submit to you that he believed in the providence of God because he was persuaded of God's power and God's integrity. Abraham was just convinced, as he said in another place, that the judge of all the earth would do right. In other words, God made me a promise involving Isaac I believe in God's power. I believe in God's integrity. So even if God tells me to kill Isaac, God is going to have to raise him up from the dead again, not because I want him to, but because I believe that God will keep his promise. Now watch when we get to verse 19, if, if that isn't the way he was thinking. Abraham believed that God could and would take care of him. And I believe that there are times when I'm living says quite the contrary, that our living says I, I, I will acknowledge that there is a God, but my living says that I doubt God's power and or his integrity. Well, preacher, why would you say that? Well, how else would you explain us being disobedient? My, my living says something other than what my mouth would say. God has made promises to us, but sometimes we fail to receive the blessing because we doubt him. And, and make no mistake about it, Sometimes God requires of us things that, will, that only faith will get us through. Abraham, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. You only get through that by faith. Here I've waited 25 years for you to fulfill the promise, Lord, and then you want to take the very boy that you've given me as a matter of promise. But, but he believed in the providence of God. Sorry, I'm going to have to flip that off of there. Every now and then I miss one. But not only did Abraham believe in the providence of God, Abraham looked for the providence of God. Notice in verse number 17 that there in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Now, you've got to add something to, from Genesis to that statement. In Genesis 22, verse 3, the Bible says Abraham rose up early in the morning. He was ready to get to God's business early. And You ever had something to do that you really didn't want to do, and so you put it off by doing other things, even other things that could wait because you really didn't want to do that? I don't like yard work. and So if I have to go out and cut the grass, I'll find anything else to do so I don't have to go out and cut the grass. You know, And it's little stuff sometimes, stuff that could wait, but anything that will keep me from the yard work automatically becomes a priority because I didn't want to do it in the first place. But the Bible says Abraham got up early in the morning. Brothers, can you imagine if God gives you that command? Do you imagine how easy it would be to find some other things to do before I get around to offering my son as a sacrifice? But to defer obedience is to defer receiving the blessing. And when you want to talk about looking for the providence of God, if you really want to see the providence of God in your life, Count your blessings and consider your mountains. We have never in our lives climbed a mountain except by the helping hand of God. And and I I just think sometimes many Christians don't understand why God presents us with, with mountains or how it can be said that God is taking care of me when he allows me to have a mountain in my living. You know, sometimes God gives us mountains to block us or to keep us from running ahead to get into trouble. Sometimes God has to slow us down because he has our own best interest in heart. You know, some places we want to go are places we don't need to be. Some things we want to have we are better off without. Some people we want to spend time with we do well to leave alone. Do you know that we don't always know what's best for us? And as a matter of providence, sometimes God will give you a mountain to keep you from hurtful things. I remember Jeremiah saying, Jeremiah 10, 23, that the way of man is not in himself. is not in man that walks to direct his steps. And if you appreciate what Jeremiah is saying, Jeremiah said, not only do we not know, but, but even when we do know, we're powerless. You know, we need the almighty God to take care of us to make it through this life. We need the providence of God. Do you remember Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7? Paul didn't want the thorn, but he learned that God was taking care of him by giving it to him. Sometimes I just need a thorn or a mountain so that God can work through me. You know, They have this way of humbling uh, us and reminding us that, that I'm reliant on God. And what we have to appreciate is the one taking care of you doesn't always do it how you want it done. Now I know this is Mother's Day. Every mother in here ought to be able to say amen to that. Sometimes I do what I do because I have your best interest at heart, even if you don't understand or like what I'm doing. Yeah, there's a reason I make you bathe every day. There's a reason I make you go to school. There's a reason I make you eat your vegetables. There's a reason I make you mind your manners. You may not appreciate it now, but trust me, the time will come when down the road you will come back home and say, thanks, Mom. Look, and I can stand here as a living witness. I look mumble and grumble. Uh, at all the rules and all of that and you get older and you wise up some and you mature some and you go back home and you say thanks mom I get it now you become a parent yourself and then you really start to understand why they did all the things that they did God may give us a mountain to strengthen or mature us you know it's been said that tough times build tough people and even as barbells build physical muscle so adversity builds spiritual muscle. Uh, I remember James saying in James 1 and verse 3 that the trying of your faith works patience. God may give us mountains to humble us or glorify himself, but whatever the reason may be, when God gives us a mountain, when God allows a trouble or challenge to come into my life, he's taking care of me. It's a token of his providence. You know, so rather than uh, whine and moan about troubles, we all said, you know what? This, this is the providence of God. Uh, what did Paul see the thorn as? Uh, he learned to see it as a portion of grace rather than just a thorn. It's about something. Yeah, yeah, I don't want this thing. If it was left up to me, I wouldn't have chosen it. But I see God taking care of me by giving me a greater portion of grace. Abraham looked for the providence of God. And then finally this morning, I submit to you uh, that Abraham expected the providence of God. And when I use the word expect, I, I don't mean with a sense of entitlement. Abraham just believed that God was going to do what he said he was. You know, we just ought to expect God to be who he says he is. Uh, sometimes we're surprised by what God does, but we just ought to expect God to be who he is because he is who he is. We just ought to expect God to keep his word because he's God. God's going to do what's right because he's God. We just ought to expect that. I, not that I'm entitled to anything, but I believe that God is going to be true to himself. Abraham, in Genesis 22 and verse number 5, it, notice what he says. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. I'm going up here to kill my son. But the God I serve has made me a promise, so even though I'm going up here to kill my son, God is going to raise him back to life, and we'll be back in a while. Now that's what the Hebrew writer means in verse 19, when he says, Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. When God said, Offer him as a sacrifice, in Abraham's mind, he was as good as sacrificed already. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. But because I believe in God's power and God's integrity, God's going to raise them back to life. If he gave me the son and said he's going to bless humanity through this son, then the son can't stay dead. And I think one of the great takeaways from there is that God sometimes works things out in a way we didn't take into consideration. You know, sometimes we tell God not only what I want you to do, but Lord, here's how you need to do it. And this is the time frame I'm working in. And God just said, that's not my plan. I'm going to work it out, but I have something better in mind than what you have in mind. And you don't get to tell me how to work it out. So what you need to do is just trust my providence, stay faithful to me, obey what I've told you, and I'll work it out the way it needs to be worked out. And if you've read the Genesis account, you know Abraham has a knife in his hand. He's ready to kill his son. And God calls to him and he says, Abraham, stay your hand. And Abraham looks over and he sees a ram caught in the bush by his horns. Uh, And he called the name of the place Yahweh-Jairi, meaning the Lord will provide there in Genesis uh, 22, verse 14. God had something else in mind. Abraham said, now I know God is going to work it out. And in my mind, this is how God is going to do it. God said, yes, Abraham, you're right. I am going to work it out, but not in the way you thought. But I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm going to do what I said, Abraham. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless all of humanity through you. Don't you know God is still the same God now that he was then? When God tells us that we are his children, don't you know God is going to take care of us? We don't always know how. But, you know, over in chapter 12, Paul, is uh, the Hebrew writer, is going to talk about uh, our earthly fathers. And Jesus said, you know, if your earthly father will take care of you, how much more will your heavenly father take care of you? Yeah, yeah, if you watch your father, and, and, and what I've learned is it don't matter how old your children are. You know, if you won't ruffle my feathers, mess with my children. You know, that, that wasn't just true when they were three or five, uh, you know, infants. Uh, that's still true now that they're grown and married and have their your own families. Uh, you won't ruffle my feather, mess with my children. Yeah, you get some undivided attention from Brother Cook. <laughs> if, if, if you're at odds uh, with my kid, they, they will never stop being my children. I don't care how old they get. Now I know the relationship change and you gotta you know, let go of the reins and they lead their own life and all of that. But in my mind, I still see my child. Don't you know that's what God sees when he looks at us? He sees his child. You're not just going to mess with my children and I'm just going to let that go unchecked. I'm I'm just not going to watch my children struggle and not have a plan in mind. Now, I may let you struggle, but believe, I've I've got a plan in mind that that this struggle is going to help you be better because of the struggle. You ever watch small children? We could learn a lot from small children. You start teasing a small child, you know who they'll run to? They'll run right to their father. Why? Get right between his legs. Why? Because I know my daddy ain't going to let you mess with me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were that wise all the time when trouble showed up? You know, I'm going to my father because I know my father is going to take care of me. And if you really want to see where the Hebrew writer was going with this, Abraham, as a father, was willing to sacrifice his son But there's a better sacrifice that we read about in the gospel accounts. God, as a father, was willing to sacrifice his son. No angel to call out, stay your hand. His son had to die. He raised again to life, never to die again. But as a parent, watching your child go through that, innocent blood, suffering for guilty blood, watching your child being tortured, There there, there was a greater love uh, that the Hebrew writer wants us to appreciate, the love of God the Father that he has for us. And if he would sacrifice his son, what would he withhold from us? What does God require for us to become his children? He he wants everybody to be his child, but he requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that uh, we believe that fact that we'd be willing to turn from sin, make the confession of faith in Christ, be baptized in water for the remission of sins. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, when that question was asked, uh, how do we uh, reconcile ourselves to God, you remember Acts 2.38, that Peter, whom God had given the keys to the kingdom, that Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as a matter of grace and mercy, when we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sin, indwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. He becomes our father. And we just ought to be strong and courageous because the providence of God says that God has my best interest at heart, that God is able and that God will never forsake me nor leave me. Ah, that just ought to help us sleep at night. Now, that's not saying we won't face troubles and challenges and mountains, and that, that's not saying we'll just have, you know, uh, the old, you know, take it as it comes attitude. Sometimes life moves you. But aren't you glad that we serve the God who has my best interest at heart? The God that loves me enough to do what's best for me and not just what I want done? The God that knows all and can do all and has never failed to be faithful. Well, you know, that's what we read when we read Hebrews 11. We're reading a testimony of the lives of all those individuals that God is a God of providence. That he takes care of his children. Perhaps you're here this morning.